Hello, and welcome to the podcast version of COS Live. You can watch the original live broadcast on Convention of States Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, and X. And now, here's COS Live. Good morning, everyone. This is Rita Peters. I'm the Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs with Convention of States Action. And I am coming to you this morning with a very special edition of COS Live. In just a few moments, should be right at the top of the hour, we're expecting a hearing of a three-person subcommittee of the Iowa House State Government Committee in consideration of our Article 5 Convention of States legislation. You will hear it referred to in Iowa as HJR 7. State Representative John Wills is our legislative sponsor and champion there in the Iowa House. We have COS Action Senior Advisor and former U.S. Senator Rick Santorum standing by there on the ground in Iowa. He is expected to give expert testimony. And we are expecting testimony from our grassroots volunteers today, as well as opponents of the Convention of States movement. And we do expect this three-person subcommittee to vote at the end of this hearing on whether to advance our resolution, HJR 7, to the full committee there in the Iowa House. That would be the next step in this legislative process. And I hope you all can join us and stay tuned for the whole subcommittee hearing this morning. In Iowa, it is the subcommittee where public testimony is taken. So assuming our legislation moves on and this three-person subcommittee votes to move it forward to the full committee for consideration, the full committee will not then um, take public testimony again on the resolution. They do sometimes allow expert testimony, but it would not be a hearing like this one that's open to the public. So today is when we're expecting to see our Iowa grassroots team really shine, and we're all looking forward to that. I know they have been waiting for this moment. They are prepared, and it's going to be fun to see them in action. I was also informed just a few minutes ago that Tamara Scott, who is a huge national public opponent of the Convention of States movement, is also there at this subcommittee hearing. So you can expect to hear from her. And my expectation is that we're going to hear a lot of fear mongering, a lot of misinformation and just false information about the Article 5 process. We're going to hear some probably ignorance in action today in the testimony from some of our opponents. So be on the lookout for that. And if you can stay tuned for the entire subcommittee hearing, we will have some commentary and reaction afterward, including hopefully an interview from Karen Schuster, who is the longtime leader there in Iowa. She's also on our national team as a regional director and looking forward to hearing from her. Now, 19 states have already passed this resolution being considered this morning. It calls for an Article 5 convention for proposing amendments to the U.S. Constitution on three topics, fiscal restraints, term limits, 
and limits on federal power and jurisdiction. We need to get to 34 states to pass this exact resolution. And as I said, we're at 19, so we have just 15 states to go to call the first ever Article 5 convention and finally reign in D.C. <clears throat> right now, there are 16 additional states that have our resolution pending mm. for this year, including Iowa. So how did we get to this point this morning of being in front of a subcommittee in the Iowa legislature? Well, the Convention of States Iowa Citizen Activist Team has been busy building support across the state and in the legislature. More than 52,000 Iowans have signed the Convention of States petition asking their state legislators to vote yes for COS. If you want to know where that petition is, you can find it at conventionofstates.com. Now, last year, our Convention of States Action Resolution was successfully advanced through the committee process in both chambers, the House and the Senate. Despite robust support in both the House and Senate, we never quite got to the point of getting a full floor vote in either chamber. And that means we need to go through the committee process again this year. So that's what's happening now. And again, I hope you can stay tuned after the vote because we're hoping to get a recap and on the ground reaction from Karen Schuster. We also might hear from Regional Director Catherine Zamanik. And stay tuned after the stream because Iowa isn't the only state scheduled to consider our resolution today. The Iowa House is holding a committee hearing to hear public testimony. That hearing is only for proponents of the COS Action Article 5 resolution. Now that hearing begins at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So how much time will we have in between these two special editions of COS Live today? We don't really know. Hopefully we will at least have a little bit of time, a little bit of a break. But you won't want to miss the Ohio committee hearing either because COS co-founder and senior advisor Michael Ferris is expected to give expert testimony there, along with, of course, our magnificent Ohio State team. That Ohio team, as you may recall, was winner of our Team of the Year award that we give out. That was um, two years ago, I think, but that's a great team. I know they've been organizing and preparing, um, so you won't want to miss that. And it looks like the committee hearing might be just about to start. And Representative yeah. Shannon Lundgren, House District 65. Okay, we're going to take you okay, now so to live broadcast of this subcommittee hearing in Iowa. Turn the microphone on. Closest microphone is, is fine. Uh, state your name, who you are, uh, who you represent, if you represent anyone, and then if you're for or against uh, the bill. Uh, and so I probably will start right now just to, if there's anybody opposed to the, the resolution, if uh, we could have somebody come up to the microphone and state their opposition and so forth. Good morning, uh, Rosie Thayer, and I don't represent anybody but a concerned citizen in the state of Iowa. And what I have before you is just the, a breakdown of the budget because many times in the federal budget, there are inaccuracies put together 
And people say, oh, we spend 25% in foreign aid. And as you look at the budget, that is not true. So I'm very concerned about this bill because if we put in an amendment that the balance, that the budget has to be balanced, we could be devastated in the future. Social security could be hurt. And now with 40% of the population not able to have anything other than social security and retirement benefits, there's no IRAs or um, defined pensions for them. That would really hurt those individuals who are living only on social security. The other thing is if you have to have a balanced budget, remember in 2020 when we had the derecho hit, that cost was 7.5 billion and the governor requested 4 billion in disaster aid from the federal government, which she got. A balanced budget could prevent that from happening. If it's a revenue we're concerned about, let's take a look at the money that is not collected in taxes and that's that figure. In 2021, or 20 and 21, yes, 688 billion was not collected. And that is not new taxes. That is people not paying their taxes. So let's grab on to that. And lastly, it is possible to balance the budget. That was done in 1998 and 2001 with Bill Clinton. It is possible to do this without an amendment. Lastly, I will say that if this constitutional convention comes about, it would create a lot of devastation in this country. We're angry enough at each other as it is. And I'm afraid that this would just take us over the edge as evidenced by this weekend when the Senate put together a bill to help with the border and the House is now rejecting it. So I ask you to reject this bill. Uh, my name is Monty Button. I'm from Dallas County. And uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you legislators for being here in this session. And, it's a thankless job, but somebody has to do this. So thank you for doing this. I'm speaking against COS as I see nothing wrong with our constitution as it has served us well for almost 250 years. It has clearly stood the test of time. The problem is the constitution is not followed or abided by. It has been studied by several groups over the years that 80% of what Congress does is unconstitutional. To start a convention, the states petition Congress to start the process. If Congress is the problem, why would we turn the Congress to Congress to fix the problem that they created? If you owned a business and the employees did their job 20% of the time, how successful would this business be? Talk radio host Glenn Beck has been a strong supporter of COS, but he withdrew his support two years ago, claiming that America has lost its moral compass and is in no condition to revise or rewrite our constitution. I'd like to leave our constitution alone as it is not the problem and please vote no on COS. Good morning, my name is Julie Witoff and I'm a resident of Urbandale. I am concerned about the ramifications for both social security and Medicare if the constitutional amendment that's called for um, in this joint resolution is enacted. Both programs are so critically important to our seniors. My husband and I are lucky. Uh, we could, if our social security were cut very severely, uh, we could maintain our house probably for another five to seven years. After that, we have enough in savings that we could get by. But this is not the case for tens of thousands of seniors in this state. 
I have friends and acquaintances who would be in extremely dire straits if Medicare and Social Security were cut. And I would ask you to think of them when you consider this joint resolution. Um, there are certainly other ways to get control of the problem of Social Security, simply lift, lifting the income cap on high-income seniors would go a long way toward fixing it. So I would ask you to at least please add Representative Zabner's amendment, which I believe is H1259, to the joint resolution, um, which will protect Social Security and Medicare if this is enacted. Thank you. I'm Pam Mackey Taylor. I'm representing the Iowa chapter of the Sierra Club. We are opposed to this legislation for a number of reasons. Uh, starting out, uh, we believe that uh, limiting the number of terms a person may serve in Congress is something the voters should do and should not be part of a constitutional amendment. The second thing is uh, I uh, ditto or reiterate the comments about uh, the um, national debt, uh, clearly closing loopholes, collecting taxes, and making a fair tax is an important policy agenda that does not have to be in the constitution. The other thing that I'd like to point out is on lines 14 through 16 of the resolution, it mentions that um, the federal government has ceased to live under a proper interpretation of the constitution of the United States. That is the role of the Supreme Court. And if there are unconstitutional uh, legislation and laws passed, that needs to be taken to the Supreme Court for overturning. We don't need to put that in a constitutional amendment. And it's very clear that uh, this law would uh, really constrain what delegates to the Constitutional Convention would do. However, other business may come up and other states may have other needs. And I think this is very limiting and I would urge a no on this. Thank you. I, I'm Sandra Shepard and I'm from Dallas County. And four years ago, I signed a petition for the convention of states at a booth at a gun show. And because I wanted limited government and I wanted to protect the second amendment, that's why I signed it. In the years since then, I have done a lot of learning, researching and talking to others that know much more than I do about these matters. And I have found that the Convention of States is not a convention of states as it is advertised. It is an Article 5 convention called by Congress. Congress will be in charge of this convention. The states only have the authority to apply after that is in Congress hands. Do we think that Congress is going to do the right thing? Obviously not, because that's why we're trying to do something else. And I understand that people want to do something, but this is not the right thing to do. I am a mathematician and an accountant. I go based off of facts. And in looking at all the facts, I have heard both sides. And one side wants to debate the other side, but the other side won't. There is a reason that Mr. Meckler will not debate Robert Brown. I want to know that reason. The reason is the facts are not on his side. Thank you for listening. I'm Paul Dykstra. I'm representing my children and their children. I wanna thank you for this opportunity to speak today. The push for 
Convention of States was born out of frustration. Term limits, balanced budget, electoral college, everything is up for grabs. For many reasons, our Republican platform now opposes COS, and I'm opposed to this bill for what I believe that what our Supreme Court ruled in 1883, the Iowa Supreme Court, in the case of Colert Lang versus Hill, the Supreme Court ruled the powers of a convention are unlimited. Legislation that many believe would control the Iowa delegates has recently moved forward. Penalties were increased, I think, to a class D felony in that legislation. $7,500 fine, maybe five years in jail. I'll remind you that a, a campaign that failed in Iowa spent $53 million on the caucuses, and they failed. Can you imagine the money that will come into a convention to persuade people to vote certain ways? All these things, the temptation is there, and that will be representative at a convention. I'm going to remind you that in the past several years, we've passed laws on abortion, but yet we have abortion in Iowa. We've passed laws on pornography in schools, and yet we have pornography in schools. What's changed? The moral character of the United States has changed. To threaten and open our Constitution up for any further discussion it is unbelievable that people would pursue to do that. It can only be for the destruction of America, and yet we assume that a convention will still be controlled. There would be no part of the Constitution that is not at risk by those of bad behavior. I would ask you to remain focused on the needs of Iowa. And again, I thank you for this opportunity. Good morning. My name is DJ Hassel. I live in Windsor Heights. I also am concerned about the fact that the uh, nobody, including the courts, has a clear authority over a convention. The, conven the Constitution provides for no authority above a constitu constitutional convention. So it isn't clear that the courts, Congress, even Congress, state legislators or president could intervene if a convention went sideways. And I'm asking you to say no. I rise in opposition to this uh, piece of legislation for, as I think has already been expressed to some degree of so far as this, they're not following the one that we have now. What makes them think that if they pass this and we have a convention of the states and somehow they pass something, but they're gonna follow a new document. I, I have very little faith in that. I have more concern over the fact that if we have a convention of the states uh, convention, can you imagine what the Chinese and George Soros and all the money that's gonna be as Paul related here, that's going to and how they're going to try to influence that every fringe group in the United States of America will be there trying to impose their will on us, the American people. And I say, you know, it's in a, it's in a lockbox now. Let's keep that lockbox there. I think that we've got high-paid people earning hundreds of thousands of dollars to lobby for the COS. And I ask you this question: If you weren't paid one dime, would you still do what you do? I doubt it. These people that rose up here today, none of us are getting paid one fee. But we are the American people, and we want this lockbox saved. My son serves as a major in the United States Army, just did a year over in Eastern Europe, defending our country, defending our Constitution, defending our way of life. I say we honor their sacrifice, and we keep America, America.
Um, first of all, I just would like to thank you for your service to the state of Iowa. Um, Article 5 already establishes that whenever two-thirds of both houses deem it necessary, they shall propose amendments to the Constitution. This is how our Constitution was set up to make amendments. An Article 5 convention does not lay out structure for how this type of convention would need to be organized or run. There is a reason the legislative branch is set up the way it is. The bills and laws established through the House and Senate is meant to take time. They are meant to be made by the legislators we the people have voted in to represent our voice. To be perfectly honest, I don't have confidence in a convention of states because our own state legislature also creates unfunded mandates, which is referred to in this bill. Um, and I know a lot of times those are unintended consequences. And also our three branches in this state, judicial, executive, and legislative, aren't always living under a proper interpretation of the Constitution of the United States and how they are to operate and, or, and are overstepping their bounds themselves. How can we enforce the things we are accusing the federal government of if we can't even adhere to them ourselves? If the federal government is ignoring the current Constitution, why would we expect it to obey a revised version? The founder's solution to the issues we are looking at now was constitutional enforcement. I propose we enforce the constitution we have now and don't open a can of worms by trying to amend it through a convention of states. The constitution is the solution. I'll just leave you with a quote by Phyllis Schlafly at May 23rd, 2016. Article five of the constitution has only 22 words about a convention for proposing amendments but the most important word is call. Since only the Congress can call the convention, it means that states have no control over who can be a delegate, who makes the rules, who sets the agenda, or who wields the gavel. Thank you, representatives, for this opportunity to speak. I am Tamara Scott. I am speaking on behalf of Valor, an Iowa organization. I'm also the state director for Concerned Women for America, the largest women's policy organization in the nation. I'll be registering later today on a, in opposition to this bill uh, on behalf of CWA. And I speak also as national committee woman for the Republican Party of Iowa, who has put a plank in their platform opposing this very dangerous and reckless idea of a constitutional convention. As well, 2012, the RNC, has passed a resolution opposing this very dangerous and reckless idea. But beyond that, let me speak to you as an Iowa mother and as a wife and a grandmother. I just tried to listen to what folks had said. I tried to listen to those who, oppose, who are supporting it, what their words were. And Mark Meckler, in a hearing in Wyoming just last year, said that these bills, such as limitations, are just to give to ease fears so that this will pass. That's what he said said it again in Rapid City, South Dakota in 2021. A former Senator, Santorum, has told us, we want this to be normalized. He told us this in Des Moines last year at Franklin Junior High, small crowd. And he repeated it again, actually before that, in December uh, in South Dakota of 2022. We'd like to see a, a committee happen, every, a convention happen every five years. Those of us who deal with the caucus, we know how much it takes for a caucus we hear it, we see the commercials two years, three years in advance. Can you imagine redoing our constitution every five years? What I miss that would be? Look to countries who 
frequently change the constitution. They are volatile, they are violent. People are not elected, they take over in a coup. They take over by seizing power. They take over by corruption. This is not a good avenue for us to go. And they've already mentioned the foreign powers that would be very interested, which is not a new concept. Our founding fathers warned us of the same. Santorum mentioned several things in South Dakota, which he'd like to see brought up at the convention. None were the typical bait and switch of a balanced budget and term limits, which are dangerous in themselves and not helpful to what we want to have happen. But he brought up several things like so, uh, securing the Supreme Court to nine. We can agree with that, but it's not listed. He brought up something about education, which would have inadvertently given the federal government more grasp and authority on education, a dangerous idea, well-intended as it may be. My point is, there is no limitation. You cannot limit what happens in a constitutional convention because these folks have the highest authority in the land. They're rewriting the highest document in the land. You have no say over what they do once a convention begins. And if you try to limit Iowa delegates, all you do is limit them from participating in the process or taking a great hit financially at the risk of their own peril. Also, I'm not sure if he doesn't understand because Ferris, at the Outlet Convention, I believe in 2003, Michael Ferris said he'd like to see 50 Supreme Court justices. Well, that's quite a difference and it changes the outlook. It's no longer a different branch. It becomes a whole different chamber. So this is not just an amendment. This is not for the use of an amendment. Their own staff attorney, Robert Kelly, told folks he'd like to undo Article One. Article two, Article three, those are all three branches of your government. That's not an amendment, that's an overhaul. They also wanted to do Article five, which I thought that's what they're using to call for this. So I can't understand they're not happy with it. But now I understand because they want a convention every five or 10 years. So because of these issues and so many more, I truly ask you to simply oppose this reckless and dangerous idea. Our constitution, the issue is not a lack of content in our constitution. It's a lack of character by those in Congress and even state legislators who don't have the will to fulfill their oath of office in upholding the constitution. It's article six, not article five that we need to adhere to. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. My name is Brad Sherman. I'm a state representative. I'm a conservative Republican and I have been at Years ago, I've been following Convention of States for many years. I don't know how many years, but early on I heard about it. I thought it was a good idea because it was billed as reeling in federal government. And everybody's for that. But as I began to look at the details, I changed my position a long time ago. I'm no longer a supporter of Convention of States. Uh, Thomas Jefferson said, the true correction for the abuses of the Constitution is to educate the people, educate the whole mass of the people. And I can't help but think what would have happened if the money and energy spent on convention estates would have been spent on educating the people. I wrote a small booklet uh, several years ago called The Freedom Quiz, it's 10 questions. And I, I did a survey in a conservative county in Iowa. And, I, and when I graded those questions as a test, the average score in a conservative group of people was 26%. That's a failing grade. If, pe if people would be educated on our Constitution, the basic principles, we wouldn't be having this problem right now. They would stand up, they would enforce our Constitution, the people would do so. And I have one more quote I'd like to, <clears throat> like to read. This is George Washington. He said, no wall of words, no mound of parchment can be so formed as to stand against the sweeping torrent of boundless ambition on the one side, <clears throat> aided by the sapping current of corrupted morals on the other. 
So there are a lot of good reasons. Uh, many people have made good points here today, but the biggest reason of all is that we have a moral crisis in our nation. And if we don't do, and if we will uh, focus on that, our nation will change around. I honestly, I cannot understand why one who has taken an oath to defend our constitution would open it up to a convention where there are no rules except the rules that that convention makes. That is the nature of a constitutional convention. So uh, with that, I'll just conclude my statement. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Is there anybody here to speak for the convention? I have one more comment. Uh, we're running out of time. So okay. we've had enough people talk against. So if there's anybody for. I'm Karen Schuster from Ankeny, Iowa, and I am testifying on my own behalf and on behalf of Convention of States Action. Iowans are extremely concerned about the direction our country is going, the loss of our freedom and the financial state of our country. We're looking to you, our state legislators, for help. It is the state legislator's duty to call for a convention to propose amendments under Article 5 when the federal government has overstepped its boundaries. It is a check on federal power, consistent with the checks and balances found throughout the Constitution. By way of petitions, over 52,000 Iowans have asked that you exercise your duty to protect us from the encroachment of the federal government into our daily lives and from the danger it poses to the future freedom of our children and grandchildren. I'm asking you to please join the other 19 states which have called for an Article 5 convention to propose amendments to rein in an overstepping and overspending federal government. Please vote yes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, members of the, of the committee, subcommittee. Um, I'm Rick Santorum. Um, I'm a former congressman, former senator, and for president. Very proud of having won the Iowa caucuses in, in 2012 and a lot of great memories every time I come back. So it's great to be back here in Iowa. Um, I was going to mention, I'll address some of the issues that have been brought up. Um, but on my way over here, I had a staff representative come up to me and, and, uh, and said, why are you here? Why, why are you spending your time doing this? I'll be in Idaho next week. I'll be in North Carolina in a couple of weeks. I'll be traveling all over the country. Um, and I, and you know, that's sort of at the core of this. And uh, my answer was because I spent 16 years in Congress, ran for president twice, have been on, on most major news networks in this country, commentating on what's going on in Washington and observing very closely uh, what's happening in the city. And uh, I fought a lot of battles. Um, I'll match my battles for trying to save the Constitution and the Republic and bring back more conservative way of understanding of federalism with anybody. Uh, but in the in the end, I failed. Uh, I failed because this country is a lot worse off than when I started 40 years ago involved in politics. Our country is more divided. I got involved in politics. I think our deficit was $2 trillion. It's now $34 trillion, and we're adding $1 to $2 trillion every year, and there's no end in sight to that. A country cannot be sustained doing that. And I couldn't walk away. You can't walk away if you spend 30 years of your life trying to solve something and fail at it and just walk away and say, well, let's leave it to someone else to clean up the mess. I was not for Convention of States when I first heard about it. I thought it was all the things that you heard about, I, I thought too. I was afraid of it. 
because I thought, well, you know, things hadn't gotten that bad. Um, and then I took the time to actually study it. And as someone who's been involved with a lot of legislative procedures and conventions and everything else, um, and someone who's studied the Constitution, it's been a little bit of a, uh, a passion of mine since it was drafted in my home state of Pennsylvania. And unlike some, I actually have a lot of belief in the founders. And unlike some, I believe the entire Constitution should be used, not just the ones that people like. And the entire Constitution is Article 5. And Article 5 was put in there for such a time as this, when the country was off the rails. And the country is off the rails. The country is divided. You have just today an immigration bill that was mentioned before that you think, given the crisis at the border, you'd be able to come together and find some solution, but they can't. They're incapable of doing it. Washington is completely broken, and it's going to get worse. And here's why I believe it's going to get worse. I was a United States senator for 12 years, and the United States Senate has always been the place that stopped the federal government from going off the rails. For the first 140 years of the Republic, up until the 17th Amendment, in order to pass a bill in the United States Senate, you had to have unanimous consent to vote. That means every senator had to agree to vote or there was no vote. And as a result, guess what? Very little passed. Why was that the case? Because the state legislatures were given the power to appoint senators. And guess what the state legislatures did, told their senators? Don't let the federal government take power from us. And for 140 years, the federal government didn't take power from, Washington, from, from the state of Iowa or any other state. But that changed with the popular election of senators, and the federal government has exploded. People say, oh, the Constitution, don't touch it. It's been touched. It was ripped out. The provision that provided for federalism, that allowed the states to keep their authority, was ripped out of the Constitution with the passage of the 17th Amendment. Luckily, the founders put a second provision in to allow the states to reassert themselves as at the top of the food chain. Remember, every, every person at the, national, at the Constitutional Convention in 1787 had one thing in common. They were all state legislators. They were not federal people. They were state folks. And they wanted the states to be in charge of domestic policy in this country, not the federal government. Why? Because they re realized, even when there were 13 colonies, that New Hampshire was different than Georgia, that the border states, the frontier states were different than the coastal states. The big states were different than the small states. They believed in federalism. The only way you maintain federalism is you keep power out of Washington. Would you really mind in Iowa if California wanted to pass a bunch of woke things to put in their education department as long as it didn't affect you? No, you wouldn't, but that's not what happens. What happens is whatever happens in California through the federal government gets imposed on you. The country is fracturing because Washington is doing everything and imposing everything, and it's dividing the country because Iowa is not California. And you can say, well, we'll elect better people. How's that been going? How's it going? What, what solution did you hear today from those who oppose this? What solution is going to fix this problem of rampant spending, federal tyranny, where a president get up and just eliminate programs? Forgive loans, change the policy, and not enforce the law. And you can say, well, the courts will check it. The courts aren't checking it. Yes, I did say we should have a, a convention of states more regularly. Why? Because you need to assert your authority that you're in charge of Washington, not the other way around. 
That's the way the Constitution was structured. And you have given it away. You have abandoned the people because you are the line of defense against the tyranny of Washington. You, the states. And you have abandoned your job. And I look, I understand those who want a strong, big federal government, and many of them were here and don't want anything to change because they 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 like the fact that things are centralized and people in Washington are telling everybody what to do. That that gives them comfort. I I I perfectly respect that. But those who say that this is a risk, <laughs> is $34 trillion in gaining every year not a risk? Is a federal tyranny where presidents get up and just with a wave of a pen change the law? Right. Do you know there's been, I think, 800,000 pages of new regulation this year? You think that's not a risk? And there's no solution except the one that's in the Constitution. And people are afraid. People are afraid to try what the founders put in. They say wonderful words about the founders and how great they were, except this. The reality is the Congress doesn't control this process. Let me get to a couple of things. And I'm sorry, I'm going probably long here. But the Congress doesn't control this process. This process was put in in 1787, two days before the convention closed. And the reason it was put in is because George Mason stood up and said, are we so naive to believe that Congress will actually pass amendments in the future, propose amendments in the future to limit its own power? That there will be a tyranny at some point because all republics eventually end up that way. We have to have something outside of Washington. That was the, the speech he gave. And they came and passed a, an amendment, which is the section we're talking about, Article Section 2 of Article 5. They passed that amendment to the Constitution, unlike, I think, any other amendment that was proposed, because they were all very divided. Nothing was agreed. It was a, almost, again, the convention almost collapsed multiple times, but it passed unanimously. Why? Because they wanted to give the states the right to intercede on their behalf. Do you think if that's the case, that that the courts are going to say, oh, yeah, Congress should control that process. Congress can propose amendments tomorrow. I don't see anybody up here saying, oh, we're afraid Congress can propose amendments to do all these terrible, they can do it tomorrow. Yet you don't want to give state legislators who's never had a chance to do this, you don't want to give them a chance to propose amendments. We're not passing anything here, it's proposing amendments. Any amendment that gets proposed has to get 38 state legislatures to ratify it. You can't get 38 state legislatures to agree what time it is. And you're worried that there's going to be a runaway convention? Yeah, runaway convention to do what? Runaway convention, ladies and gentlemen, and I, I know, I'll, I'll make my last point. The runaway convention idea is a fallacy. This, this is a convention to propose amendments under the rules set by you in your resolution. When the legislature calls a special session to deal with property taxes and someone tries to tries to do something beyond the scope of the resolution of the, of the special session, what happens? They get ruled out of order. And that is enforceable under law, as it is here. There are multiple court cases about Article 5 that says that once the rules for an Article 5, Article 5 is set, you can't change the rules after they've been set. There's court case after court case that says that. In addition, you have people who went there and you have a bill before that just passed out of this committee has to do with faithful delegates. This is 
the delegates themselves are bound to limit their, their voting to just the subject matter in the resolution. In addition, the, the final safeguard is that 38 states have to ratify anything that comes out of this, this, this convention. There will not be radical things coming out because radical things can't get 38 state legislatures to pass. I, yes, I did mention that one of the things I think could pass would be to limit the Supreme Court to nine members. Why? Because I think most Americans, Democrat and Republican, realize the, the folly and the danger of court packing. Would that be a good thing to do? Would anyone say that that's a bad idea to actually limit the court so some future tyrant in, in making doesn't decide, well, I'll, I'll take the chance of court packing and, and hopefully we'll never have another election or we'll, uh, we'll, struck it, we'll, we'll structure it so that the, the opponents can never win another election? You think that could happen? I do. I think that day could come. Wouldn't you want to hold that? Wouldn't you want to set, do something to stop that from happening? Fear is not a solution. And all I hear with no solutions and a lot of fear. I appreciate the fact that hopefully this committee will vote this out and we'll have a good debate on the floor of the Iowa House. And I just hope that we have an opportunity to let the people through your elected representatives come to this convention and debate the future of our country. Because we're not doing that now anywhere. And this is an opportunity to do it, and I hope you take it. Thank you. Thank you. Legislators, do you have anything to add? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, everyone, for being here. You know, I'll keep it brief. We've been here for a while, but I do want to say, you know, if, if we could pick, if I could pick two senators, they wouldn't be Chuck Grassley and Joni Ernst. But the idea to me that the 150 people in this building deserve more say than the people of Iowa about who our senators are is frankly ludicrous and offensive. Um, I think 668,000 Iowans rely on Social Security. A balanced budget amendment would really mess with the ability of Social Security to keep putting out those benefits that people rely on. And we've heard from people on both sides of the aisle who came out at eight in the morning to oppose this dangerous, dangerous resolution. Uh, we heard from one Iowan who supports it and someone who flew out from Pennsylvania. So I'm opposed. I won't be signing this today. Thank you very much. Um, I hear from constituents at home all year long who are supportive of Convention of States. And what I hear today, again, is zero solutions. And I'm open to hearing solutions. Tamara, come to me. I'd love to hear your solutions on some of the problems, but you haven't. Um, when we talk about Social Security and Medicare, those are funded by the taxpayer themselves for their own use. And if you've read the Festivus report by Rand Paul, you will know that we are overspending in many areas and nobody has argued that we were overspending in Medicaid and or Medicare and Social Security. So I think there's plenty of ways that we can cut our budget because right now on every single one of us U.S. citizens from the oldest to my youngest grandbaby, there's $100,000 sitting on our heads in debt because of the federal government. And that's pretty frightening. I would love in my business to be able to just spend, spend, spend and not worry where it comes from and let the debt build up and live my great life. But that's not reality. And that's not what we're facing here in this country today as just genuine taxpayers. I don't know another solution. I haven't heard another solution. It scares me that our federal government is out of control and we're no longer in control of them. 
And with that, I am again, for probably my eighth year, happy to sign to continue the conversation. And if somebody comes to me with a better solution, I am all ears. Thank you. Um, so what I hear today is a lot of fear that uh, the convention is gonna be a runaway convention and we're gonna lose control and, and they're gonna just cancel the constitution. That absolutely cannot happen. Uh, so the convention could say, we're gonna do away with the constitution, but they have no power to do that. The states must do away with the constitution. 38 states must do away with the constitution. That's the bottom line. If they would try to do that, it would go to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court would say, you can't do that. That's without, that's outside your power. Uh, what I have heard a lot from a con from constituents is we need to do something. Just the, the debacle with the Speaker of the House uh, a few months ago uh, was enough for a lot of people to say, we need to do something. Congress isn't working. Congress isn't working for us. They're, they're designed to keep power and keep power for themselves. They don't care about the, the people out in the streets. They care about their power. This Constitutional Convention is a way to limit and restructure that power so that the states, once again, are able to, to wield the power, not Congress, not the federal government. This country was not founded on a strong federal government. It was founded on a strong state governments overruling and overreaching the, the federal government. And for that reason, I'm going to move uh, this bill, this resolution forward. Thank you. Okay, folks. Well, you have been watching a subcommittee of the Iowa House State Government Committee in consideration of our Article 5 Convention of States legislation referred to as HJR 7 or House Joint Resolution 7. That three-person subcommittee just concluded. We did not get to see the vote, or if we did, I missed it. Um, but it was clear from the comments made at the end of that hearing that we had the two representatives on committee, one of whom was our sponsor, Representative John Wills, along with Representative Lundgren. They were clearly in strong support of the resolution. The third member of that subcommittee, Representative Zabner, was clearly opposed to it. So I think the outcome is clear. Um, although I can't say it's official yet, it looks like we just passed through that subcommittee by a party line vote of two to one. And we do have some folks ready to join us um, for interviews and commentary after watching that subcommittee hearing. I understand, Producer G, we have COS president and co-founder Mark Meckler standing by. There he is. We will go to Mark first. Mark, let's just get your off-the-cuff reaction first. What did you think? Yeah, you know, I, the thing that stands out most to me is uh, Senator Santorum's powerful testimony there at the end. Uh, he, look, he does this professionally. He's a senator. He's used to being in legislator, legislatures testifying in committee. Uh, so to have him there and that kind of gravitas is really powerful. And he just gets better and better, in my opinion. And who better to call out the fear than him? He's been in D.C. He understands that D.C. will never fix itself. And that's what seemed to resonate most clearly with the members of the committee. Uh, they understand that Iowans are in favor of this and have been for a long time. There's a fringe element pushing back against that. We heard some of that fringe today. Uh, he called them out for having no solutions that was echoed by one of the representatives. So I really liked hearing that. 
And that is the truth. Our opponents in these committee hearings, the one thing that you'll notice over and over is that they peddle fear and they provide no solutions. And I think the legislators are just getting tired of that. Uh, you know, she was she invited Tamara Scott, to, who was the prime opponent here, has influence in the state. She invited her to come in and provide her with some solutions. But for eight years now, as she put it, Tamara Scott and her ilk have provided no solutions. They peddle fear and they peddle the same fear as the radical left. I think this is important for you to notice if you're watching this as well. But the talking points of the radical left and what I would call the fringe right on this issue are literally identical. And you got to ask yourself if you're a conservative and you're saying the same things as radical leftists like the Sierra Club who testified, what's going on here? Something's wrong with that picture. Right. Mark, I we heard Rick point out, he said, you know, all, all of these people, the opponents he was referencing, talk about how great the founders were, how much they love the Constitution. Rick said, Article 5 is part of the Constitution. So how can you claim to revere the Constitution, all of it, but this one part? And Rick said, you know, this part of Article 5, the Convention of States, was put there for such a time as this when the country is off the rails. Um, Mark, what did you think about that? And it is ironic, isn't it, how the opponents seem to want to have it both ways. They love the Constitution, but don't touch Article 5. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's nonsensical. And I would say it's hypocritical. And and I, the reason I bring that up is not just to call somebody a hypocrite. I, I am calling them out as hypocrites. But it's also to note that the radical left in America today has as one of its central ideologies uh, comfort with hypocrisy. They don't mind if their ideas don't align with their other ideas because it's all means to an end. Uh, and in this case, I would argue it's all about promoting fear to prevent us from reclaiming our power. And unfortunately, those on what I would describe as the fringe right on this issue, that's the game they're playing. They don't mind the hypocrisy. They don't mind saying something that is in complete conflict with everything else that they say and believe. They're comfortable with that. It's inappropriate, but fear makes people do irrational things. You know, people, when they're afraid, they do things that are not rational and they have a phobia. I would say that these people are Article 5 phobic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I want to point out too that a lot of these people on the right who oppose Article 5 um, would say that they are also Christians. And I want to point out that the Bible is very much anti-fear. It runs all throughout the Bible. So there's another point of hypocrisy. I love the way Rick just came right out and said it. And I quote, fear is not a solution. Mark, that really seemed to resonate with Representative Lundgren, who we heard there at the end of the subcommittee when she kind of made her closing remarks. Um, and she really called out Tamara Scott, who is enemy number one of Convention of States in the state of Iowa. And she said, you know what, if you have solutions, come tell me about them. But you've never done that. So, Mark, is that seems to be really important to these legislators is that they are recognizing that the opponents are just dealing in fear, but don't have any solutions to offer. Have you noticed that as well? Yeah, I've noticed that everywhere. And I think what's important is the legislators are realizing that they actually have a sacred obligation. They took an oath to protect the United States Constitution. Uh, Rick said this, it's already been assaulted. It's already been trashed by the left. 
And these representatives understand they have a sacred obligation when they took their oath to take care of their citizens, to take care of their state, to honor the whole United States Constitution. And they know that they need to do something. Sitting back and lamenting the problems, you know, sort of rending your clothes and gnashing your teeth is not a solution. And that's the solution being proposed by Tamara Scott in this state and people all over the country, the John Birch Society, Eagle Forum. What they're proposing is that we continue to do the same thing we've always done and yet hope for a different result. And Rick said that as well. You know, we hear all the time, well, we just need to elect better people. I'm 62 years old, I'll be 62 in March, and we've been doing that my whole life. We've been trying to elect better people, and things are much worse today than they were when I was born or when I first started voting, when I voted for Ronald Reagan. Things are much, much worse. And so I think that's what these legislators are recognizing. Just trying to elect better people isn't enough. we got to do something. That's right. Mark, thanks so much for joining us for this interview. Thanks for having me. And now, folks, we want to take you to Catherine Zamanik. Catherine is on our national staff as a regional director, and her region does include the state of Iowa. Catherine, thanks for joining us. And why don't you just give us your um, off-the-cuff reactions to the subcommittee hearing? Thanks, Rita. You know, one word comes to mind, uh, sure, fear, but these folks who have dug in, they're too proud to admit that they, they're wrong. And, um, you know, you talked about the, them being a Christians. Well, they really need to take a look like Rick Sands Torm did and said, wow, I was wrong about this. The country's in trouble. We've got to do something. And this is the solution that the framers gave us. So I just think that they're really dug in and they don't know how to get themselves out of the hole they've dug for themselves. Yeah, I see that too. Now, Catherine, I want to ask you a practical strategy question because I'm sure that some of our viewers watching this live subcommittee broadcast were thinking, wow, there were a lot of opponents who came out and were in that subcommittee hearing to testify against Article 5 and against our Convention of States resolution. But we only saw two people testify in support of it. Of course, Senator Rick Santorum and then Karen Schuster, um, who is our longtime state leader in Iowa and also a member of our national staff team. Can you explain to folks, uh, because maybe people are thinking, wow, there must not be much support for this among the grassroots in Iowa. And I know that's not the case. Can you explain how we sometimes make a strategy decision in that regard? Yeah, it certainly was a strategy decision. We knew exactly what the other side was going to say. We've uh, had Rick on the ground. We'd had Mike Ferris on the ground talking about this. We just felt that um, our state legislators really have heard from our people who support this. Of course, the process is to, to let anyone who is opposed or anyone who's for it to come and present. But we respected the time of these legislators. They hear from our folks all the time through emails, through phone calls, even through visits in their districts. So the, um, the idea that we needed to have a large group of people come here and just repeat what everything Rick said, um, it just... Um, 
It wasn't a, a good strategy. We know these folks have important work to do. And so we wanted to limit the testimony today uh, to, to both Karen and Senator Santorum. Yeah, that's right. We never want to try the patience or abuse the time of these state legislators. Mm -hmm. I have often heard it said in the legislature, when you know you have the votes, sit down and stop talking. <laughs> so that was sort of our um, strategy there today. And I loved how Representative Lundgren pointed out that she's hearing from the grassroots in Iowa year round about how important this convention of states resolution is to them. Um, okay, we're going to close in just a minute. But before I do, Catherine, Mark, any final comments on today's hearing? I really like the strategy used by the state team here. And it shows a humility that I love. Like, I guarantee you every one of those state team members is highly competent to testify in that legislature. Uh, we've seen this not only in Iowa, but all over the country. How good the grassroots has become at giving testimony. That's an amazing accomplishment. It, it can make you really nervous sitting in an official proceeding like that. We have great teams all over the country doing a great job of this. The humility and just personal restraint that it takes to decide, look, we're going to just do what we know is most effective is super impressive. So sometimes the things that you don't see are the most impressive things. And to me, the state strategy, not having everybody testify, not taking up a bunch of the committee's time, uh, that shows respect. It shows a strategic thinking. I'm really impressed by that. Catherine, any you know, final comments? Yeah. So I'll say this. Uh, we're, we're blessed to have Representative John Wills as our champion there. We knew that John was going to carry this through his committee. He's fighting for it uh, with his uh, with, with fellow members of the House. You know, once a legislator embraces this and understands it like John Wills does. Our job um, certainly is to stand and support him. And we had utmost confidence in John as our sponsor that he he was going to speak on our behalf uh, as well as Representative Lundgren. We've got great champions there. We did our job to educate the folks. We're still still working on a few folks in Iowa, but I think that we have great leadership there. John's a very, very courageous man, and uh, we're just proud to stand and support John now. Amen to that. Catherine, Mark, thanks for joining me. Thank you for listening to today's program. For information, please visit www.conventionofstates.com forward slash pod. That's www.conventionofstates.com forward slash pod.